And so we talked about how important it is that we read it, right? It's not that scripture just sits on a table and says, hey, and like you walk by it and the scripture waves at you and you wave at it and it's just like, that's it. That's your only relationship. But no, no, it's that you pick it up and you read it and you begin to observe it and you begin to study it and understand what God is doing. And so last week I talked about how important it is that you have a scripture in front of you. And so we've provided a soap guide for you. And so in that soap guide, and you can find those in the lobby at the information center, it gives you a list of scriptures to read. We also even provided a journal for you. So if you need a journal to write in in order to soap, we've got those out there in the lobby. So you start with the scripture and you write that scripture down. And then what do you do after that? Well, in the SOAP method, it's scripture, observation, application, and prayer, right? Let me say it again. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. It's pretty straightforward. And so once you read the scripture, you have to observe the scripture because one of the things we've said is that if you don't ever take in the scripture and begin to observe it, you're cutting yourself off from something that's so critical to your development, and that's revelation that you're actually getting to hear from God. I don't know if you know this, but that Christians believe that the Bible is the word of God. So if you're out there thinking, you know, I just want to hear from God. I just, I just, you know, I got to go sit under a tree and I got to spin around three times and I got to say some incantation or something. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what God, that's not what the church has taught. It's that, that the Bible is the word of God. So literally, when you go and read it, you have the opportunity to hear from God. Guys, that's significant. That's significant to know that you have that in your hands, that men and women have died to put this thing together so that you can have access to the voice of God in your life. And so how do you get that? Just by reading it? No, 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 no. You got to dig. You got to observe because, see, when you observe, you go towards revelation. It's in the observation that you receive that revelation. Because isn't it true you've read scripture before and not got anything from it? Well, sometimes it's just because you did a flyby. You didn't soak at all. You didn't, you didn't ask God, God, would you help me? You didn't, you didn't spend any time. You didn't slow down enough in a world that is constantly moving and moving and moving. You didn't stop and soak for just a moment that God might speak to you. And see, that's what we talked about the last two weeks. And hopefully that makes you curious and you want to grab hold of some of that. And, and so I hope that you'll go back and do that. But, 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 but now where are we at? So we've talked about scripture. We've talked about observation. But what's this application stuff about? The application, why does that matter? Well, well here it is, is that the, the application is really where we're trying to get. Because see, what happens is if we never take what we've observed, if we never take what God has shared with us and then do something with it, that's a problem. And so in the SOAP method, it gives you an intentional way to say, look, I see this. God's saying that. I see that. But then to say, okay, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for my life? What does it mean for my friends? What does it mean for my family? What does it mean for my job? What does it mean? What am I supposed to do with it. Now, this is where it gets hard, right? Because it's hard to deal with that a little bit because sometimes we like to just hear about Jesus, praise Jesus in the air, and, and hopefully no one can ever define it or see it. No, no, no. See, 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 the Bible doesn't do that. The Bible helps us to look at it very clearly and says, look, if, if you believe it and you've observed it and you've heard it, then you're supposed to do something with it. And matter of fact, if you do something with it, there will be examples of it in your life. 
there will be these things called fruits. There will be actual actions that come from the revelation that you're receiving in your life. And so application is all about that. It's about the action of it. It's about us understanding that God wants us to do something with it. Isn't that interesting? I mean, that's not surprising to us. That Why would God be speaking? Just so that we'd sit around and go, yep, yeah, you know, I love it. I love that God's speaking. No, he wants us to do something with what he's saying. He wants us to do something. So today we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about this important piece of soap. And that's the application part of it. And so I encourage you to open yourself up. You open your mind to receive whatever it is that God has for you. I don't think there's a better place for us to start than in the book of James. See, James is, is one of those guys that, that understood that it wasn't just that I needed to have faith. It was that I needed to do something with the faith. And so if you don't know anything about James, James was Jesus' half-brother. And, and, and so he grew up around Jesus, right? Isn't that interesting? Can you imagine your brother being Jesus? Mom, did you see what Jesus did? Right? I mean, it, I, can't, I can't imagine. As a matter of fact, the Bible seems to indicate to us that James did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. That he had a problem with that. Right? Wouldn't it be hard to convince your brother that you were the Son of God? No, I really am. Right? And, and, and so, so it wasn't until later in James's life, matter of fact, it was after the resurrection that Jesus met personally with James. And it was there that he was converted to the faith and became the very foundation of the Jerusalem church. I mean, it's powerful. His story is just amazing. But the thing that you see with him is a guy that was absolutely committed to his faith and he was committed to it in the doing and not just the saying of it. You know, is that it wasn't just important to him to confess the right things. It was also important that he would do something with it. And so he writes this whole book that some people have called the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's just really straight up. It's straight to the point. And it's just a, it's an amazing book that so many of us need to grab hold of. And, and it, even if you wonder, if you're questioning James at this point, this guy gave his life for the faith. Like he was martyred for his faith. And so in A.D. 63, they took him up to the temple, up to the top of the temple, and they said, you need to recant. You need to say that Jesus isn't the Christ. And he said no, and they just pushed him off, and he died. That's how he went. So if you're ever wondering whether or not this guy believed what he believed and says, you know, and that that actually lived out in his life, well, look, I don't know about you, but I don't know when was the last time you were asked to stand up and say, hey, I believe, and they're going to push you off something. But this guy had it. He had something real to say. And so I'm excited to be able to dig in and hear what James has to say about application because I think he has something really important for us to grab hold of. Now, there was a little book that I encourage you to pick up. If you haven't, you can, you, I'll just reference it again. It's because the book is called What the Bible is All About. It's a very short, condensed thing, but it's amazing when you're trying to understand the books of the Bible, what's going on, and just a little bit of the background. But one of the authors, the author in that, Dr. Mears, she says this, James is a practical letter dealing with Christian ethics and how to maintain a lifestyle of deeds that matches the confession of faith. And so in other words, how do I maintain this lifestyle of deeds based on my confession, my good confession, that Jesus is the Savior, that Jesus is Lord, and what am I supposed to do with it? 
And so as we dig into James, keep that in your background as we begin to understand what James is talking about. It's important that we understand that James really talked about two faiths. He talked about two different faiths. The first one is a dead faith, and the second one is a saving faith. A dead faith and a saving faith. Now, what does that mean? Well, what he would say is that a dead faith is the kind of faith that there are no works associated with the confession that you make. In other words, you say, yes, yes, Jesus, I love you. You're the best. You're the greatest. I love you, Jesus. Love you, Jesus. And then you do nothing with it. You walk out of this place, maybe even today, and and it never penetrates your heart. It never goes to a place of action. It never begins to conform you to the inner workings of Jesus. It only is in name only. And so we claim the name, but we see no fruit. That's what he calls dead faith. Now that's unsettling, isn't it? That's a little unsettling for some of us. It's because maybe you've been going through the motions. You've been in the church for a long time, but you haven't seen it grab hold of you. Now, there's another kind of faith he presents, and that's saving faith. Saving faith. Well, what's the difference? It's just the opposite. It's that you, you've confessed Christ, but now you are doing something with it. You're, you're, you're acting in it. You're seeing transformation happen in your own life. Huh? You're starting to work it out for Jesus. Making sense? Now, now that you have the background, let's go ahead and dig in. Let's look at chapter 1. James chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, it'll be on the screens as well. But starting in verse 22, and like I said, man, James doesn't pull any punches, all right? So you guys get ready. Say, okay, I'm ready. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. There's going to be some haymakers coming at you, and it's okay. It's okay. Don't blame me. Blame James. Get mad at him. He got thrown off a building. What are you going to say? Huh? You're going to question him? Go ahead. All right. But look, in verse 22, here's what he says. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. And he's just so straight. It's not just, don't just listen, but, but, but do what it says. He says, otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. I don't want to be fooled, do you? And he says in verse 23, for, for if you listen to the word of God and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. I suspect everybody here this morning looked at a mirror. And if you didn't, We probably can tell. (laughs) But we love you just the same. And so it says you see yourself, you see yourself, you walk away and you forget what you look like. Like it's like you see it. You're like, this is the real me. You walk away from the mirror and you forget exactly what you saw. That's kind of a big deal. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine doing that? And then he goes on, he says in verse 25, he says, but if, and notice the contrast here, he says, but, but is a contrasting word. So he's contrasting what he just said. And then he adds all these if-thens in, right? In other words, they're conditional statements. If, then, if, then, if, then, if you do this, then, right? And so he goes on, he says, but if you look carefully into the word of God or the perfect law, the perfect law that sets you free, which is the word of God. Watch this. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then, there's the then, God will bless you. Isn't that good? Who doesn't want to be blessed by the Lord? I want to be blessed by the Lord. And he says, well, if you do it this way, you'll you'll be blessed for doing it. Verse 26, he says, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, 
Now, what's he, why is the tongue involved? What's he talking about? So he says, if you don't control your tongue, then, I added that, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is, check this, say it with me, worthless. James, that's kind of mean. Right? I mean, in our world, would somebody, if someone came up to you and said, that's worthless, you're, you'd be like, you'd probably go on Facebook or something and because in our world, we don't confront anybody face to face. We always go on Facebook. Do you hear what that person said to me at the grocery store? Sometimes I feel like Facebook is creating a, a culture of cowards. That we're unable to be civil with one another and talk and dialogue and, and really work through problems. So, so, so he goes on to say it this way in verse 27. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means, look at this, caring for the orphans and the widows in their distress. And then watch this, refusing to let the world corrupt you. So he says, in other words, the pure religion, this pure religion, this genuine thing, is a, it's about helping people and being holy. It's about a lifestyle of helping people and being holy. Sometimes we get the lifestyle right of helping people, but we forget the holy. Sometimes we get the holy and we forget helping, right? And so God is trying to see that it's a package deal. It's for all of us. And, and I love James, and it bothers me sometimes. Every time I read James, he bothers me. Because it's just like he shines a light on my life and areas maybe that I'm not measuring up. But, but here's the good thing about James is he's trying to get us to see is that if you have faith, these things are possible. Matter of fact, they should be. They should be penetrating your heart at such a level that they become an action. And so I wonder if I walked James up on the stage today, you know, if I, I paraded him out here and I said, James, do you have anything to say to the people? I wonder if he wouldn't say to us that, that the reason you're not experiencing the breakthrough that you want in your life is because you are simply a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. In other words, that the breakthrough that you want that you've been praying for, that you've been asking God for, that breakthrough comes when you say finally, not only yes, I believe in Jesus, but yes, I'm going to do something about it. And I take the hearing and I put it into doing, right? And so in other words, it's like this, revelation applied leads to transformation. But see, without application, there's not going to be any transformation. If I don't do something with the revelation I've received through observing the scripture, if I don't do anything with it, how in the world am I going to be transformed into the image of God? If I never help people like Jesus would, what am I doing? If I never think about the holiness of God and that my life matters and the behaviors I have and how I treat people, all that stuff, if that never begins to happen in my life, then what am I doing? See, that's why application is so important. And you know what's really stinky about application? See, it's hard to hide. Because see, what the Bible says is that there's fruits. There's, it, like there's something that happens as a result. And that's what I love about James. He's like, man, it's faith. Yes, it's faith. That's where we start. But man, you got to grab hold of it. And you got to begin to put it into play. Because see, that's what God wants. I don't know if you know this, but as a church, I kind of said it earlier, but our church is that we want to see people transformed by Jesus. And one of the reasons I'm doing this series at the beginning of the year today, or this week, or this month, is because I want people to be transformed. And you know how they get transformed? They hear from God. 
And how do they hear from God? They read his word. They start to, they start to investigate. They start to observe. They, they start to apply it. Can you imagine this entire room filled with people that believe in Jesus, that are regularly feasting on the word of God, that are observing it, getting revelation, and they're taking that revelation, and they're doing something with it? Can you imagine what this church would be like? Can you imagine how it would impact our city? Can you imagine if people got hold of it? See, guys, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen, walls. I'll, I'll amen myself if you guys aren't going to do it. Amen. I'm preaching about 65% better than you're talking. That's right. That's right. In Jesus' name, help them. Help them. But then look at this. I'm going to go back to James 1.22. And I'm going to read it in the New American Standard. And that's a little bit more literal of a translation. It's hard to read, but it's more literal to the original text. But watch this. It says, but prove yourself, doers of the word. Prove yourself. Come on. And not merely hearers who delude themselves. Come on. Delude yourself or prove yourself. You know, you imagine that? Like if you guys came into church, maybe you've been in the game. Now, I want to say this. If you're not a believer in here, I'm so glad you're here. And I am speaking directly to believers right now. All right? So if you're an unbeliever, I'm glad you're here. I hope you open yourself up to the possibility that Jesus wants to have a relationship with you and change you. But I'm about to light some believers up in Jesus' name. Amen? (laughs) Amen. You can watch me pick on them for a little bit. It's going to be good. But James says that we should prove our... Can you imagine? You guys come in, and maybe you come into a smaller group meeting, and everybody shows up, and I say, hey, all right, all of you, I know you've been in the game a long time. Prove to me that you're a believer. Can you imagine that? Y'all would leave this church. Like, you would. You'd be like, I'm out. I don't like that kind of testing. Forget that. Uh Uh-uh. But if you say, well, you know, I did this, I served here. You know what I mean? Like, can you imagine being asked to prove that you're a believer? Come on. And that's what James is trying to help us see. And sometimes we get out of balance. We go with, it's through grace alone that we're saved. Yes, but saving faith produces doers of the faith. Is what James, it's both and. It's not one or the other. And so it's important that we understand that what James is saying, he's augmenting what Paul said. He's, he's enhancing it. He's helping you see what's really there. So he says, prove it. Now, I like ice in my milk. I know. Some of you think that's disgusting. I don't care. I don't care. All right? I don't care. I like my milk cold. I don't like it lukewarm. I like it cold. I mean, I, and I'll drink. I'll, if I could without vomiting, I'd drink a whole gallon. I would. I love milk. I love it. I love it. All right. And so imagine for some of you who ate ice in your milk, imagine if I set it there for about 30 minutes. Yeah, no, it's so gross. So it would start to fit right. The thicker stuff would go to the bottom. Right. Then the then the then the the the, the liquid, the, the water would maybe come to the top, you know. Right. So what happens is the milk becomes diluted. Because of the ice cubes in it, it's diluted. And, and, and most of you are like, that's gross. Yeah. James is saying, look, faith that's diluted is a problem. It's, it's, it's gross. And, and now, me, you know, I'm, I'm so jacked up, I'll just stir it up and drink it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. But what he's trying to say is that, 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 that do we want diluted faith? No, no. And, and he's saying that, that you have to be hearers and doers in order not to become diluted. In other words, he says, prove it, don't dilute it. That's what he says. That's, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? And so verse 22 says, but don't just listen to the word of God. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are fooling yourself. Man, I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be fooled. Who likes to be fooled? Nobody. It's the worst to be fooled. And then he, he, he says that you, you will be if you don't begin to put this into action. And so here's the question I have for you. Are you becoming a doer of the word? Have you said yes to Jesus in your life and are you becoming a doer? Well, very clearly the SOAP method is helping you do that. So you begin to read the scriptures, you begin to observe the scriptures, and then you begin to apply the scriptures, which is the doing part of that. That's why we're doing it. Now, I don't know if any of you have kids. I have three. I have three kids. I have a... Oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. I have a... I have a 14-year-old. I have an 11-year-old. And met, oh, oh, I have an eight-year-old today. How about that? Hmm? Yeah, yeah. And so, but here's the thing about kids, though. Here's the thing about kids is, have you ever been in a situation, if you're a parent or maybe you're an uncle or an aunt or a grandparent or something, isn't it interesting that you can actually tell a kid to do something and sometimes they don't do it? Have you ever had that experience? Like you're, you're leaving the house, like today even, some of you, you left the house today, you're like, put your coat on, right? Put some socks on, put your shoes on, it's really cold out there, make sure you have this on, right? And then you come out and they don't have any of it on. You ever had that, right? And all of you are like, now children, it would be very important for you to go ahead and do what I've asked you to do, because I'm sure that's how you all handle your children. <laughs> Me too, right? Me too. And so, so you tell the kid, hey, do this, and they don't do it. And there's a part of us like, well, they're kids. You know, they're just learning. They're trying to figure it out. And, and sometimes we do give grace because they're just little kids, and they're just trying to figure it out. And here's the thing. I think God gives us grace. And he says, hey, they're just little kids. They just started. And so some of you maybe have just started in your faith. You may have just started, and God's like, okay, it's okay. You fell down. Now here, I'll help you tie your shoe. God loves you. He's going to give you grace. But man, can you imagine an 18-year-old where you walk out, and you're like, hey, we got to go. And they're sitting there, and they're boxers, and you've told them to have their clothes on, their coat on, their shoes on. Crap. I mean, uh... <laughs> What I meant to say was, shoot, can you imagine that? Like, I would be mad as a dad. You get your lazy butt up, right? You'd be like, get up. Matter of fact, you can leave my house. Go get a job. You know, you, you would be like, you'd be on it, right? But here's the thing. When it comes to God, am I, am I acting like a kid? Like, if I've been in this a while and I'm acting like a child and I'm expecting him just to show me grace and I've been in this game a long time, isn't that important? God's told me to do things. I've read it. I've studied it. I've gotten revelation from it. I've heard the Bible. I've heard the preacher. And I'm in my faith has grown and I know what the action is and I don't do it. I'm acting like a child. And God is saying, what's, what, what, what's the deal? 
Now, how do we do that? Well, maybe you're in a relationship. Maybe you're in a relationship with someone. And your thought is, you know what? I got a good idea. We should sleep with each other. We should have sex with each other outside of marriage. That's a great idea. And yet God's word says don't. Maybe, 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 maybe you've moved in with somebody that's not your husband or your wife and, and you're, you're acting like a child and you know what's right. Perhaps it's alcohol, and I'm not saying that drinking some is a, is a sin, I, but some of us take alcohol and we take it too far. We, we make it something that it shouldn't be. And, and God's saying, why are you acting like a child? You know what's right. You know what you're supposed to be doing. And so maybe it's sexual sin. You just, you know, it's like I shouldn't do it and I don't want to do it, but, but, but I just keep doing it. And, and you do nothing to get better except just say, you know what, I, 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 know, I, I know I shouldn't. You don't call anybody for accountability. You don't get some kind of covenant eyes on your computer to help you be accountable. You, you don't do it. Or maybe it's just something as simple, because I know those were hard. I can tell you, believe me, I can feel it in the room. <laughs> but what about selfishness? Maybe you're just selfish. And God's like, what? really? Share your Dr. Pepper with people. You've been married 17 years. That was for me. Because I don't like to share my Dr. Pepper. I was an only kid, and I, or not an only, I was an only kid. I think I am, but I have brothers, and they were mean to me, and they would take my Dr. Pepper. And so as a, as a younger brother, as a younger brother, I grew up, and I said, never again will you take my Dr. Pepper. And so I've become selfish in my Dr. Pepper. And God's saying, what is wrong with you, man? You're acting like a child. Isn't that, doesn't that sting a little bit? But see, God, we know, oftentimes we know what we're supposed to be doing. We've heard it. It's just a question of are we doing it. Or not, the Bible says that we're becoming deluded, like that nasty milk that you didn't want to drink. We become deluded in it. And that's not a good thing. Listen to this in James 1, 30, 23 and 24. It's part of our text, but he says, if you listen to the word and don't obey it. It's like glancing at your face in a mirror and you see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. See, that's not good. He says, that's not good. And so it's like if you had one of those little hand mirrors, you'd, you'd just look at yourself, right? And you'd put it down and you'd walk away and you'd forget what you looked like. And that's what we do with the word. It's like, like we come to church. Oh, here it is, here it is. I'm going to bring it home for you here. You come to church, you... Look in the mirror. God reflects to you who you are. The preacher tells you what's right. You see it. Put it down. You walk out. And you deny it with your lifestyle. Yeah. Our parking team, I think, probably gets to experience this a lot, you know. People come in here and they get the Holy Ghost and they get excited for Jesus. And they're like, "Woo! I love Jesus. I love all of you, right? And then they walk out and they, it all goes away in the parking lot. Get out of my way. Don't you tell me where to park. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. <laughs> Every parking lot team in America has that experience. But listen to this in Matthew 7, 24. I'm going to give you some more scriptures. Stay with me. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds their house on a solid rock. 
The opposite of that in that particular context is sand. Is that I'm not going to build my house. Who would build their house on sand? It says that you're building it on the rock of Jesus. Man, that's, in other words, look, he says, listen to my teaching and follows. In other words, puts into practice. Yeah, that's that observation. Then listen to this in Mark 4, 25. I love this. He says, to those who listen to my teachings, more understanding will be given. Did you hear that? So in other words, God promises you, if you will read it and observe it, you will gain greater understanding. Guys, I've been reading the Bible a long time. This didn't just happen. You know what I'm saying? I've been in the Word. I've been to school. I've studied it. That's why it comes out of me. Does that make sense? And so the more more you do that, that's what we're going to happen to you. See, watch, he says, but for those who are not listening, which I think that indicates that they're not putting it into practice, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Man, I'm going to preach a whole series on this because I believe this. The devil comes and snatches away the seeds that are being planted in this room right now. When you walk out of here and you do nothing with it, those seeds get stolen. They get stolen by the enemy. And so revelation not applied dies. If we don't apply it, it begins to die. And so that's why people can go to church for 30 years and not be different. Because they've been just being religious. They've been going through the motions. They've been doing the thing, but it hasn't gotten there. It hasn't started to to be applied to their life. And I know you guys. I know you well enough to know that you don't want that. You don't want to get to the end of your life and have that. But listen to this in James 1, 25. He says, but if you look carefully into the, the, the word of God, right? If you do what it says and you don't forget what you heard, right? Because remember the mirror. You, you know, you walk away and you forget. But, but if you don't forget, if you, maybe you just even put it with lipstick on the mirror so you'll be reminded, you know, you put a sticky note on the mirror so that you won't forget. He says to you very clearly, he says, if you do that, then God will bless you for what you're doing. Everybody in here wants to be blessed by God. Don't you want to be blessed? I need, I need blessings of God in my life. And I just ask you that question, where do you need it? Where do you need the blessings of God today? Where do you need to see God show up in a powerful way that you can't predict or understand? Where are you coming up short right now that God needs to step in? Because if he doesn't, it's not going to happen. Where do you need that? Well, see, the Bible says that if we'll get into the word of God and we will start to observe it and apply it, the blessings will come. And the good news is, is you don't have to worry about predicting those blessings. You don't even get to define the blessings. God is the one that promised the blessings. He's the one that will deliver the blessings. And the blessings you get will be the blessings you need. That's right. And so you don't have to worry about it. And so obedience leads to a blessing is what the Bible says. And so where is it that you need it? Where do you need it in your life? Because see, I believe that people are walking away from the church. Matter of fact, I believe young people are walking away from the church in many ways because they see a religion that's worthless. And the Bible says it's worthless because there's no doers of it. There's hearers. And what is somebody that's a hearer and doesn't do it? Well, usually they get called a hypocrite, right? They get called something like Christians are just self-righteous people. We become self-righteous when we forget to love. Yeah, right? And so 
So that's what happens. People leave the church in droves because they don't see Christ in us. I don't want to be described as worthless. I don't want my faith in Jesus to be described as worthless. And so look at that. I mean, we just have to examine that. But then, okay, I'm almost done, guys. Stick with me. James 1, 25, or 26. He says, if you claim to be religious, but you do not control your tongue. Oh, Lord, help us. Woo, some of you are in trouble. You are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Come on. Our tongue, what we say. You know, maybe you lit your husband or your wife up this morning with your words. Yeah. The Bible says that we hold the power of life and death in our words. That literally, when I speak life over someone's life, seeds are planted of life and life harvest comes. When I plant words of death over my friends, those seeds plant and they harvest much to the excitement of our enemy. See, see, it's, he's, he's very clear that it's worthless. And, and so I just ask you that question. Where are you, where are you using your words? Are you using your words to help people or hurt people? How are you using your words? Are you constantly complaining and grumbling and murmuring? Go read Exodus and see how that goes for you. I mean that. Go, go look at it. See if I'm crazy. See, see, what are you doing with your words? Are you gossiping? Are you tearing other people's down? Are you being sarcastic so that you, you can keep people from getting close? What is it? What is it that you're doing that keeps the blessings of God out of your life? Matthew 12, 34 says, For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Ah, you know, like, like when people said, you know, and it comes out of you, like the reason it comes out of you, it's in you. And you want to be like, no, that's not what I meant. Right? Because we judge everybody by their actions and we judge ourselves by our motives. That's right. And we, we, we create a higher standard for others, but we, we don't hold ourselves to that high standard. And so what is in you will come out of you. And I just ask you, are you full of God today? Are you full? Are you at, at full capacity with God today? Is that what you want? That's what I hope you want as you begin to soap in your life. But how do you get there? I'm going to give you one word that's going to help you. Give. You're like, oh, dadgummit. He wants my money. Look, I don't care about your money. I don't want your money. God doesn't even need your money. God has the cattle on a thousand hills. Christians give because they want to be generous because God was generous to them. Clear? And so, so it's not about that. But see, when I create a lifestyle of giving, the things I want will start to happen. So in other words, if I'm selfish, what do I need to learn to do? Give. If I'm selfish, I got to share the Dr. Pepper. I do. I got to say here, have a sip, which my family is, oh, they're all sippers. Can I have a sip, daddy? Have a sip? No, it's my Dr. Pepper but I have to learn to give, right? In my selfishness, I've got to learn to give. In my anger, I've got to learn to give. In my anger, I, I have to be generous. I have to learn to see maybe where other people are coming from. In my anger, I've got to maybe put myself in someone else's shoes. I, I've got to give myself to it. Maybe, maybe it's in some kind of uh, sexual sin. I've got to learn to give myself to accountability. I've got to give myself to something that will help me. Or maybe it is, maybe it is giving. 
Maybe it's tithing. Look, I don't, God says tithe. If you're not, here's doers. That's clear? So the Bible says tithe. If you're not tithing, see the problem? So start to give. Maybe you can't do that yet, but just start. Start. Maybe you're a tither. Give more than a tithe. And watch what God will do. He'll build your faith. Because you know why the tithe is there. It's there just to stretch us enough. The tithe is there as a test. It just stretches us enough. And it's not there forever. It's there for us to start. It's a starting point. Did you know that? It's a floor. It's a starting point. The ceiling is that we become ridiculously generous like God who gave his son for us. And so when I start to recognize that everything I have is a gift from him, it's not, it's not, it's not mine, it's his. And so I'm just returning back to God, whether it's 20 or 30%. It's his because I'm becoming a generous person. Make sense? And so I began to live out of that. And then finally, I'll end with this, is that, that James says in 27, he says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God means this, that we care for the orphans and the widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt us. Man, in other words, there are things we've got to do. There are people that are hurting in this world that need a touch from God. And I tell you what, man, there's no quicker way to get, grab hold of someone's heart in this world that maybe has gotten hard is when the church starts to do what Jesus told us to do. Like when we start loving people in ways that everybody goes, why do you do that? It, it changes things. It changes the climate of things. And so I want to encourage you to see what he's saying. Because see, saving faith is doing faith. And so may we not just observe the word of God, but may we apply it so that we can see this happen in our lives. And so see, it's caring for those in need. That's an outward sign of that inward transformation that we're looking for. And that's what we're trying to get to. But you see, Jesus, Jesus never intended us to just be religious people. He, he intended us to be faith-filled people. Faith-filled people in Jesus and who he was and what he said and, and what he did. And so soap gives us the ability to help us do that. It helps us read his word. It helps us observe it. It helps us understand it and then begin to put it into action. And those observations lead to greater revelation. And then finally, those revelations lead to me having an output in the world that's changing people's lives. And so it's Nike that said, remember this? The old philosophy, just do it. Here's the cool thing. The Bible had it before Nike. James said, just do it. Hear it, do it, and you'll be different. And you'll change this world, and God will change you. And you'll see so many people come to faith just simply because that you're hearing it and doing it. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for your word and what it means to each one of us, Lord. I know that there are a variety of groups of people in here. Some have been in the game a long time. Some are newer to the game. Uh, they don't know anything about God, but they're learning. And then there are some that have never put their faith and trust in Jesus before. Earlier in the message, I kind of described that God was the most generous being on the planet. And you may ask, how do I know that? Well, the Bible says in John 3.16 that God gave his son, right? Like it, now, he gave his only son. 
that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That is, my friends, the personification of generosity. And so as we look at the cross, as we look at what Christ has done for us, for the world, that we might be restored back to God, that our relationship with God might be restored, when we look at that, may we see the love of God. May we see the generosity of God. May we see that Jesus and God want a relationship with us. And so you might ask this question, well, how do I do that? Well, the Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, he'll come in and save you. And then he will begin the process of transformation. And so I wonder today, as I preached, if there's anybody here today that was wondering, how do I do that? And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm not going to point you out or anything. I'm not going to have you come down front. Or, but I do want to ask you that question. Are you ready? Are you ready to settle that? To enter into a relationship with Jesus by faith and see him start to work in your life? And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you if you are, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand up. I want to see it so I can pray for you today. I'm not going to point you out, but I just want to see it. And so right now, if you're here today and you need to take a step of faith towards God today, on the count of three, go ahead and be bold and make this your statement of faith. One, two, three. Go ahead and lift your hand up. Go ahead. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hands. Good job. Good job. Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you. Good, good, good. Thank you, God, for those people. Church, all of us, you can put your hands down. Church, all of us are going to be praying together right now. We're all praying together. No one's praying alone in here. And so if you raised your hand, I want you to repeat this as well. Out loud if you can. And so right now, just simply say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you change me from the inside out? Will you be my Lord? I surrender to you today. Show me my purpose and lead me the rest of my days. I promise, Lord, to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, can we celebrate those that gave their life to the Lord today? That